This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argo Life. 96th minute winner against a team in red and white. Feels like deja vu. Just like our last game against Stoke City, it took a goal at the death to keep all three points in Devon as the phenomenal Finn and the marvellous Morgan combined to cause limbs ill-seen at home park two weeks ago. Rough and ready Rotherham rocked up at home park under new manager. Ah, yeah, it doesn't matter. It repeats. I need to turn that off. Anyway, rough and ready Rotherham rocked up at home park under new manager Liam Richardson. And while it's easy to see why they're rooted to the bottom of the table, Argyle made life very difficult for themselves, only really showing up in the latter stages of each half. Gavin Ward's refereeing performance left an awful lot to be decided as he allowed dangerous challenges on both Ryan Hardy and Mustafa Bundu, who were both carted off to hospital. Joining me to talk about all things Rotherham today is Graham. How are you? Fine, thank you. Still recovering from another last gasp winner. Yeah, you, I think you've got some Apple Watch statistics to tell us about, haven't you? Um, yes, the, the emergency setting has been overused. Yeah. Um, ben, how's things? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. I'm a bit hoarse. A lot of shouting yesterday. Um, enjoyed oh, that. But, uh, was there anything to shout about yesterday? Yeah, I, I've got to shout out my mate Dean, who I normally go with, or as my wife calls him, my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> he's he's missed Blackburn and I think one other game because of train problems. And then he's missed Stoke and t- yesterday because of work at this time of year, this busy time of year. So, yeah, I was getting pelters uh, in, 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 the, in the messages for... Uh, <laughs> For for being able to go and enjoy that, so yeah, shout out to him, and hopefully we get another couple of last minute exciting winners when he's back in the new year. Yeah, nice. And uh, last but not least, Adam, how's things? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm tired, just about like the rest of us after yesterday. But if I'm going to be tired, I think I'd like it to be as a result of something like that. And if we can have that every fortnight, um, I'll I'll be dead by the end of the season, but I'll be dead and happy. So that's all going to work out fine for me. Uh, Adam, seeing as your your voice isn't as hoarse as Ben's, do you want to kick us off and give us your your initial thoughts and your your match run through? That's so. fine. Yeah, I'll um I'll I'll see what I can do and see if my voice does does last the course. I think for me, uh, the the place to start is to to have a look at comparing this to how we were two weeks ago. I mean, we've got last minute winner <laughs> at home. Um, two games in a row. I mean, sometimes you're lucky to get one a season and um, we, we've been blessed um, with, with a couple in a fortnight. Now, interestingly, what I don't know about you guys, um, but um, I felt, actually, this felt a lot different to, to, to how it was uh, against Stoke. I got to the end of this game and um, obviously we'd won it. It's it's euphoric, of course it is. Um, but it, it almost felt a, a much, much bigger sense of relief that we'd managed to get it past them. Um, a team um, like Rotherham, who um, I'm sure have plenty more to say on as as we go, but it's a team that, particularly down to 10, let's say we should be beating. And the fact that we have beaten them is, I mean, in the way we have is obviously fantastic. But I think this one is a difference between 
um, a fantastic win and a disappointing draw. If you go back to the Stoke game, okay, it's the sort of game that you really ought to be winning if you're going to avoid relegation, Stoke at home, particularly as they were under Alex Neal. Um, but that felt a lot more um, in the moment, a lot more euphoric to get that last minute winner in that game when a point, disappointing as it may have been, um, may not have necessarily been a bad thing in the course of the season. Whereas if you're not beating this Rotherham team at home in the state that they're in, um, then that's dangerous. Um, so the fact that we've got that through, I mean, it's a game that, as you go through it, um, did we did we deserve to win it? Yeah, I mean, of course, we're with a, with a better side. But um, the, the fact that we've let them into the game um, when we should have been out of sight feels a little bit of a concern. So to get that over the line at the end, um, as I say, felt a lot different to Stoke. But ultimately, it's three more points in the... 96 plus minute of the game so you, i can't be too unhappy um but yeah it's it, it feels very different to me um but never mind i suppose fair enough do you want to follow that ben yeah i do think it feels it felt very different i think that um i think the stoke game was more pure jubilation it was just sort of like a a release for us for me for sort of like Birmingham for Southampton for all those where it had gone against and finally it had gone for us whereas I think yesterday felt it was more more visceral almost it was like the justice done for the game I think it would have felt you know because it wasn't just bad decisions it was potentially you know season ending injuries and things and and, and if that had gone if we hadn't got something from that game that would have hurt just that bit much more and I think it was a sense of um, a different sense of relief, one you know that was probably a little bit more emotional, not just uh, or, or, or complex in the emotions it involved. Uh, it wasn't just pure joy, but you know that kind of justice feeling of justice being done. Um, and as for you know, there's a lot we could criticise and pick out. I'm sure we will. Um, but how many times did we say we would like a spawny? win over a decent performance and a lot of credit earlier in the season. Um, so from that perspective, I'll very much take the three points and the dodgy, the dodgy showing um, and, and, and sort of sit in 16th. Um, hopefully we can eventually combine the both, but, you know, I think there's a great number of fans lamenting that we were performing well and not getting points on the board. Um, I don't think we can be too frustrated that we didn't perform very well against a team we could have put out of sight when we managed to get the three points. I think from that game, that was, given the the, the injuries, etc., that was probably the most important thing to do. Yeah, just going through some um, full-time thoughts uh, quickly. Joel Davis says, despite the result, that performance was embarrassing. We went down to 10 against QPR and had to defend for our lives. So they went down to 10 and controlled the game. They attacked us. It looked, attacked us with ease and looked far more dangerous than, than we did. Um, our ability to pick the right pass at the break is seriously lacking. Uh, Casey Pilgrim says, we played some utter crap today, yet won it. Uh, played brilliantly against other clubs and lost. It's our inconsistency that's, that, that is the problem. Uh, if we could string some results and performances together, we'd be fine. Um, I'm going to guess they're called Mikey, M-X-E-Y, uh, says, concerned about our front options again. We'll have to wait and see what the damage is. Battled again, but that defence makes me nervous at times, which is obviously a big um, switch from, from QPR in midweek. I'm sure we'll get onto that. Uh, JD said, job done, but we can't be conceding goals against 10 men. Um, much like you, Graham, Phil, he absolutely says, my heart rate is through the roof. Um, and Ali Griffiths says, "My, I literally have no voice. My stomach is churning. Sickening display from a team clinging to existence. Uh, they came to play disgusting, dangerous football. And sadly, two of our amazing boys were injured. Uh, please give us an update. I'm, I'm sure we'll get on to that. Um, you know, as many of you will know, I like to go through these things uh, in a chronological order. Uh, so before we jump into the to the injuries, let's go through that first. Got, uh, let's go through... Um, the first bits, um, Schumacher opted to make three changes to the back line. Obviously, one is forced through uh, Dan Scar's red card on Wednesday night. Plegozalo, Edwards and Miller coming in for the aforementioned Scar, Kane, Kessler, Hayden and Galloway. Um, Graham, I'll give you this one. 
uh, talking specifically under Schumacher here, but has there ever been such a shift from one game to the next in which we've gone from being so defensively solid to a bit of a shambles at the back? You know, I count three chances in there that we could have cleared that ball, which on Wednesday we would have taken all three. Well, I think I was a QPR and after we went down to 10 men, we played five at the back and effectively four in midfield with the occasional run forward to make this solo striker, um, which is why we got the well-deserved point that we did. This time we're at home against probably the biggest team we'll play this season, uh, who then substituted two players with even bigger players who both had a significant impact. So I was really worried about this game. Physically, we were going to be miles apart from them and our only chance of winning was to play around them. First 20 minutes, it didn't look like that was going to happen. And if Hugo hadn't missed that sort of far post header, um, we would have been 2-0 down and I think we would have struggled to get a result out of the game. But I think Azaz grabbed the scruff by the game by the scruff of the neck and really imposed himself. And I, I, I don't I didn't see it as a disappointing performance overall. We hit the post or woodwork three times, uh, Whitaker, Azaz and Randall. Their keeper, who I think was one of the best keepers we've seen at home part of the season, made several impressive saves, goal, you know, goal save, goal saves. Um, so I, you know, we had 25 shots and I think nine were on target, but we looked like we were going to score. Our problem was, and there was one moment in the second half, I think when it was 2-2, we we cocked up a corner and then suddenly there was a cavalry charge of about four or five Rotherham players at full pace. I thought, oh my God. And then they they misplaced the pass and we got away with it. I mean, they could have they could have done us there. I think their physicality, strength and height causes problems all game. And it cost us two serious injuries as well because both of those, and I think, were red cards. If, if you look at the Ayala challenge, he just went straight through Ryan Hardy. Anywhere else on the pitch, that was a foul. And uh, the the Tahiti challenge, it was late, and he scraped his foot right up the uh, leg of Mr. Vabundu. And I, I'm a bit fearful for him. I think that's a long-term injury by the looks of it. The fact that the they try to treat it and then call for the stretcher after assessment is, is a worry, I'd say. Yeah, I think we'll get into those those individual um, refereeing decisions or lack of uh, in a minute. Um, Adam, uh, Gavin Jones, regular contributor, I think he's been on this pod more than you have actually, um, says, uh, do you think we need to give a back four a good run of games to bed in, assuming that Kane Kessler Hayden Plegwazelo, Gibbo and Galloway are the chosen ones. Obviously, it feels like we're we're mixing it up a little bit too much at times. It's a hard balancing act, isn't it? Um, particularly at the time of year we're talking about, we've got a, a game Saturday, we've got a game Tuesday, we've got a game Friday, we've got a game Monday. For the greatest will in the world, Brendan Galloway is not going to play 360 minutes in those games. Um, he might not even manage mm. half that. Um nothing against how it is as how he is as a player it's just how he is um so it's hard to get that um that exact four there um i guess you could perhaps look at it and say well we're not going to have dan scar available um for for the next couple um gibson and pleguezuelo um well you, you'd be surprised if it was anybody else starting in um in the two centre-back positions, um, unless, of course, we change to a back three, and then it'd be even more of a surprise if they didn't play. Um, so they will get some time to um, to play together and, and, and settle. But I, I think from where, as nice as it would be to have that that settled back four or, or a back five, however we want to play it, um, more than likely the back four, it just... It, it would be very much a nice to have, but I, I just, I don't think it's possible for, for where we are at this moment in the time, for the players we have and um, and the teams are afraid. I mean, let's not forget, there's going to be a lot of games this season where um, our back four are under consistent pressure. I mean, I know QPR is is kind of a special case of us going down to 10, but they put in a hell of a shift that night. And that was, what, three days before playing a, a much more physical side in Rotherham. So I think to to get that, 
that back four settled and get it playing regularly is I mean, you, you, you say it one way and it, it, it sounds like it would be an ideal. It's it's just not going to work for me. They're going to um, get hurt. They're going to get too tired or or Dan Scar is going to get Dan Scar is going to get himself sent off again. So it's yeah, it's how, it's how do we find that balance, though, of like, because three changes feels like too many to me. But also at the same time, when you look at those individually, it's only really Kane Kester Hayden that you could say, you know, maybe should have kept his place out of those. But then also, you know. Like you say, putting an absolute shift on Wednesday. So how do we how do we find that balance? It's if, if I'm looking at it personally, I mean, but considering the games that we have in succession, I don't necessarily think three is too many. We've got to think, you know, one of them's obviously enforced. Um, so yeah, that we, it, it was always, always going to be a change in the middle, and um, one of them was let's call it de facto enforced because I don't want to stop Brendan Galloway in 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 two games in in three days, particularly given the shift he's put in. Um, and then obviously, you know, what we've mentioned there with Kessler Hayden is is what it is. Um, it's a tough balance to find. I mean, hey, I, I don't envy um, Shui in trying to find that balance because I, I certainly don't have the answers. And I, I, I don't think many, many certainly will have a, a surefire answer to make it work. But for me, particularly for games like this, where, okay, if we, we take away the performance, it's a game that we should be winning anyway. And we did win. Let's not forget that. Um, I I don't think we should look at that and say three changes was a huge error of judgment um, because ultimately, as we say, one of them probably was by choice. Um, so how do you find the balance going forward? I mean, in all honesty, I don't think there's a problem with carrying on as is. Okay, I don't want four different players playing at the back every single game. There needs to be some consistency. Um you know, making making the odd change here and there. I mean, you're not going to have two enforced changes every game. So I'm not expecting that we'll make three changes at the back every week. Um, but keeping it fresh, keeping the rotation going there, I don't have a problem with, in all honesty. Yeah, moving on to the... Um, well, I suppose we better talk about Gavin Ward at some point. Um, moving on to the, the challenges that saw both Ryan Hardy and Mustafa Bundu take to hospital within minutes of each other. Um, obviously, um, let's go for the Hardy one first. Uh, obviously, Daniel Ayala t- finally sees red 20-odd minutes after he should have. Um, that, that has a second yellow with the, the most head-loss handball I think I've ever seen. That's like that's almost what I'd prefer Scar to do on Wednesday night, just dive at it and, and knock it away with his hand. But um, obviously, that, that clash with Ryan Hardy, Ben... Um, uh, the, every time I see it back, it's just like an obvious yellow. It's not, uh, you know, he's, he has. You, you could say that he's gestured, he's gone for the ball, but um, so it's not a red. But you know, if you're if you're coming into the back of somebody's head and smashing through them, surely that's a that's a yellow. Yeah, I mean, the argument can be made that it is a red because um, he's obviously endangered the opponent. But I can understand it not being given the referee at the time. I mean, I was sat. Um, right in line with the touchline block 16 just on the the, the aisle with 15 um, so I was you know I was really in line with where it happened you could got a good view of it um, and when Edwards was speaking to the ref afterwards the ref was sort of saying it was a, a bang bang play you know they're both going for the ball it was you can't really do anything about that and I, you know I totally I think that a yellow would have probably been fair um, that was um, at least a yellow he's gone at it with not much control and you know the the human head weighs like a bowling ball. He's basically just taking a bowling ball to the side of the face, um, and it, the, the state of his face when he got up, like the the deformity. I know soft tissue can swell a lot, but if he's escaped without damage to the cheekbone or the eye socket, I'll be amazed. I think there's something skeletal going on there. Yeah, it, it, I mean, why they didn't get the stretcher out for him, I don't know. He could barely. He was struggling off the pitch with two people supporting him. He didn't know what where he was and uh, and what was going on. It was really quite scary, to be honest. Um, and in the moment, um, I wasn't quite sure if it was shoulder or head. He led with his elbow, which I think was something else that should go against him in terms of, oh, I was just going for the ball. You know, Hardy can't see him at all. He's looking at the man as well as the ball, and he's leading with the elbow, and he's clattered him in the side of the face. Um, so I don't think there should be any 
dispensation given for it's a physical game i think that was that was well within his control it wasn't one of those things that happens in football in a contact sport i think he could have um pulled out of that if he wanted to body check him he could have he could have body checked him you know i don't know quite why he's a few decisions he made the game it seems you know i don't know what's going on in his head maybe he's got some personal issues or something but like the handball as you mentioned he just seemed to make a few decisions that sort of didn't speak of any level of professionalism at all um and that was one of them it was you know you could almost hear the concussion from the crowd and um my eye was drawn to the ball sort of you know going and then immediately back down to hardy laying stricken and he was you know you could see the panic in the the players um as to his condition and he was out cold for I mean, time sort of is relative, isn't it? It feels longer at times, but he must have been out cold for at least 60 seconds to, to two minutes. Um, so it was a, a really bad challenge that led to what seems to be a really bad injury. Like I say, if he's escaped without some proper damage, I'll be amazed. So um, it should have been a yellow. It should have been a penalty. Um, and, you know, you can argue by the letter of the law, it's a red, even if you can give the ref... A break for not picking that particular challenge up but it it kind of set a precedent i think to the the rest of the well we know what happened shortly after there was no kind of as much as i blame the player in in, in bundu's injury which we'll talk about in a minute i'm sure um when the ref isn't laying down the law and protecting players and applying um common sense then players are going to um maybe fly into things a little bit harder than they ought thinking they've got a little more leeway than they were expecting so i think there was a bad decision by the ref um it should have been a penalty it should definitely have been a card um of, of one color or another uh and you know we hope ryan hardy has escaped miraculously from serious damage oh it helps if i unmute yeah i mean we'll, we'll go on to um a dolphin's red then i'll come back to you adam as, as graham's already covered uh his thoughts on it obviously I, I i don't think i've seen a clearer red all season i just don't understand how anyone can go that late that high studs up on the shin and it not be a or along the boot and up the shin and not be a red it's yeah it's um there, there, there's not much more to add to that really. it, it's it's a clear red card um, it, it, it's simple and it kind of um, almost links into what we were discussing um, just a few seconds ago with the Hardy incident. We seem to have a referee in Gavin Ward who has spent the season and God knows how much of his career bottling big decisions. Um, his refereeing career, as far as I'm concerned, peaked 14, 15 years ago when he abandoned our game at home to Barnsley when we were 4-1 down. Since then, it's all been bad. I mean... Um, I knew there was a reason why I, I used to like him. I knew there I was know, a... I yeah, know. Yeah. yeah, I was a huge fan once upon a time. Um, sorry, yeah. not anymore. Um, I think the... Yeah, the, the, the Adolphin Challenge on Bundu um, is a red. Is in, in fact, to be honest, um, a clearer red almost than, than what we saw with Dan Skies um, on Wednesday. And I think we're all agreed, having seen replays on that one, that... Um, we're pretty comfortable that's a red card so to not not give the one there um i'm really confused i'm confused by a lot of his decision making in all honesty we look at the um the the ayala challenge on hardy we can have a debate sitting here right now and say oh well should it have been yellow card should it be a red card i think that's a reasonable debate what's not a reasonable debate is to say well it's not a foul at all because it is we can have a look at what happens at ipswich with um bundu going through we can have a debate, is that inside or outside the box? We can say, is that denying an obvious skill scoring opportunity? Is it isn't. Again, those are reasonable debates. What's not a reasonable debate is to say that it's not a foul, because it blatantly is. This one um, on Bundu wasn't debatable at all. It's a red card, and he's not given it. It boggles my mind, to be honest, the um, amount of downright weird decisions we've got from this referee across the um the, the last few games that we've had him um i remember um he, he always seems to be the center of attention i remember another game that he did i think it might have been 1718 um bristol rovers home i think i'm happy to be corrected he was the guy that um ended up giving us two penalties in that game after having a stinker of a first half um one that the Miras missed and one that Carey scored, I believe. But um, I'm testing my own memory now. Whenever Gavin Ward referees Plymouth Argyle, it's 
an event and it shouldn't be like that realistically he, he should be able to to make um you know make blatantly obvious decisions that he hasn't done for for the past three or four that i've looked i'm looking at and thank god that we actually finally um got our long overdue penalty I mean, our fast of the season whilst he was in the middle i mean it's it, it it's yeah as i say completely mind-blowing what we've got off him this season and what we haven't um, and to go back to the original point that I've gone off on, yeah, I, there, there's nothing to add other than that challenge on Bundu is is a, is a blatant red card, and I'm amazed he's missed it. Time, I'll be I will be very surprised if that's not broken. I know I know the club put out a thing saying that he's got a gash on his leg, but I believe that's more what Schumacher said, right? Or is that official? Oh, all nodding. That's good for an audio platform. Um, yeah, okay, cool. Um, I, I will be very surprised. Um, there's a question uh, somewhere. I just had it and I've lost it. With Bundu out for the remainder of the season, in brackets, looks likely. Does that change the January window plan? I, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but obviously we need to bring in somebody to compete with that that number nine spot, right, Graham? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, combined with a, a physical centre-back alternative i think those are the two priorities for the january window um i'm sure we're looking at both uh, because we need to um how much we've got to spend or what i don't know but we need it first of january and not towards the end of january because we're going to be struggling and whilst ben wayne <clears throat> probably had his best game for us actually in terms of he you know he, he linked play reasonably well he had a chance which he straight to the keeper um, he's not going to be our uh, match-winning forward. I don't, we, we don't give him the sort of ball that he thrives on, which is a ball across the box in the six-yard box. I think nearly all these goals are six-yard box goals. So um, we need an alternative and a, we need some physicality because Rotherham aren't going to be the only team of this size. I think on Sheffield Wednesday, probably another one. We need an option, a physicality option. It's how obvious weakness we can play around them which we did pretty effectively for large chunks of the game yesterday but ultimately they brought Eves and Morrison on and we went in a panic mode um I was surprised that Galloway didn't come on straight away because uh I think the Morrison header and the Eves goal was because Barley Mumba was at the back post against Sean Morrison there must be probably a foot difference between the two of them so um we need height we need physicality in those two positions. That would be my priority. Yeah, I'm jumbling about a bit again, Ben. But I want to come to you because you weren't. We're going back to the sorry, back to the um, the fouls uh, that you know on Hardy and Adolphin uh, on Bundu. Sorry for by Adolphin. Um, you, you weren't too pleased with Schumacher's post-match reaction. Do you want to well, elaborate on that? He just seemed a bit too. I understand he's friends with the opposing coach and his assistant was a big figure in his early career. And he doesn't want to say anything to upset them. I don't think he was, you know, pussyfooting around the issue, but he spent a lot of time praising how Rotherham played, how they were sort of organized and stable um, and didn't make any reference to the fact that, you know, other than obliquely, to the fact that they maimed two of his players. And if I was sat in hospital with potentially broken leg, at least some deep muscle, muscular rather injury to my leg or with a fractured skull um, because their players have been reckless. And my manager was sort of saying how well organised they were and they'll be disappointed in there. They'll be devastated. Um, I'd feel a little bit disappointed. Now that might just be me being a bit partisan. I understand, you know, they did play well, considering their circumstances beyond what they did. But I felt that there should have been maybe a little bit of support for his players there um, that, that seemed to... He didn't address the issue, shall we say. He managed to avoid the issue. And I felt like that was a little bit disingenuous, given how serious the incidents were. You know, incidents happen in matches, bad fouls and stuff, and you can't go... To the, to the press every time and say, oh, you know, they did this, they did that. I understand rising above, accepting that you have to control what you can control. But he seemed a bit too nice 
to my opinion, in um, not calling out what was you know, practically thuggery at times. Um, and, and also just the, the general, the, the, you know, I said that the, the, the Rotherham players had such brass neck to be complaining to the ref about the penalty at half time. We sort of all walked off the pitch and they were complaining. And I thought, you know, on the balance of um, play and the balance of decisions, they've got absolutely no right to be sort of haranguing the ref. And I sort of felt like Schumacher um, should have stood up for his players maybe a little bit and sort of called out, you know, said, you know, we felt that they were hard done by the fact that, I mean, maybe he doesn't, maybe he disagrees with me. Maybe he thinks that there's one of those things that that's part of football and, you know, re- challenges are mistimed and et cetera, et cetera, and has no problem with the way things rolled. But I felt like, um, yeah, and again, maybe I'm, I'm I'm a bit too emotional about the issue, but I felt like uh, he was very complimentary and nice to Rotherham, which I've got no problem with, but avoided the elephant in the room um, in discussing uh, the, the 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 events of the match. You know, he talked about being a hard first half and stuff. It's like it, it was hard for a reason, you know, and I think that affected not to go forward, but that affected why we sort of had that drop off in the second half. I think that was partly down to probably the emotional drain that the first half had put on on the players and the squad, um, as well as it, you know, rather than being compact and well organised and and us trying too hard to to work it down one flank and not using the extra man. Um, but yeah, uh, you, you've sort of set me up there. But um, yeah, I do. I did. I did feel that it was a little, a little bit. Um, I would like to see a little bit more sort of passion and, and sort of um, what's the word? Uh, righteous indignation on the on the part of his players in his in his post match. But like I say, I'm partisan, so I can understand him being professional at the same time. I was going to say, if we hadn't have won, maybe he would have been that. I think um, he took his fourth throat of the opposition criticism because of that i think we won there was no point in highlighting the thuggery as he's as you've indicated he's good mates with the manager and assistant manager and he gets himself into trouble with the um ruling authorities if he's too critical so i'm not sure there was too much to benefit i mean i think he was concerned for their welfare obviously um but to say that anything beyond that at that stage i mean neither that neither the highlights or the extended highlights showed either the either of the incidents so it's just sort of got under the radar a bit until we know the outcome are you Possibly. saying there's a, you saying there's an efl conspiracy there graham no no i think that's like to me possibly out of respect to the outcome and how both players are i think to be fair um yeah i mean i mean shuey's post-match interviews he's neither two up or two down sometimes he does get emotional which he did for the Adam Randall win but I think he was relieved that we got the winner and um, it's very difficult to consider all opinions and shades of opinion minutes after a game like that I'd I'd let him off that one to be fair I think he's more worried about what he's going to do in the next two games at least Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how he gets on with his new Stoke side. Um, I'm sure we'll come, we'll come on to that in a bit. Um, I feel like it has to be it has to be mentioned. Obviously, going back on track, um, we finally get a decision our way. Gavin Ward decides, oh, actually, no, they do deserve this one uh, on the stroke of half time. Finazaz converting the the penalty, which which brought an end to to a nearly an hour of first half football. Obviously, fast forward to the fifty second minute. Adam Finazaz has us 
uh, 2-1 up. I just, I, we're running out of superlatives for him and, and Morgan, who I'm sure we'll get onto, but oh, just I just love him so much. What a man. Um, yeah, this, that's, that's not really um, helpful or a question, but do you love him too? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I absolutely do. I'm going to compete with you for him. But um, I think, um, to me, it's the way I'd put it is it's probably as close to a flawless performance as we're going to get what we saw from Azaz um, yesterday. Maybe if he um, doesn't hit the post, for example, on, in like the 58th minute of the first half, um, it would be completely flawless. I mean, he's... Um, I, I think the, the the best way you can, or at least I can, um, reflect on him is that it, it's very, very noticeable um, when he's around and when he isn't. He's instrumental to so much of what we do going forward. You know, he's got more key passes um, than any our goal player this season. And you, you can see why he's he's central to so many of our attacking moves. He's, you know, he, he's got all, all sorts of goals in his locker. He scored a penalty. Um, I wasn't convinced he was going to score the penalty simply because of, of how good your hands is and the fact that I've never seen his hands take one. But he was emphatic with it, smashing it into and, and not his natural side either. So a really, really good spot kick. Um, he steps in with a poacher's um a poacher's style effort um for a second and we've also seen him score screamers in the past as well and just when you think that that's all he's got he pops up with um one of the most beautiful assists i think i've seen um for some time at home park um to set morgan up for for the 95th minute winner um i've been i've been too kind in the 96th minute winner. either way stoppage time winner so you know it's um it's one of those that um I think with it coming up to January now, um, there's some serious thinking to do. Um, I know we've had the discussions into what we need to do in the transfer window. Um, getting a striker in is absolutely right. To be honest, um, call me an idealist. I've always assumed that I'd want two strikers in and then to maybe loan out Ben Wayne. I think that's going by the wayside now. I think we'll need a, we may well need a couple and to still keep Wayne around. Um, but with all that in mind, what are the most important things we could do um, and hopefully can do um, in this in this coming transfer window is to at the very least keep Azaz around for the end of the season because I'd be so much more confident that we'll stay in this league if Finazaz is still here um, at the end of the January transfer window. If I'm speaking the hugely ideal world, um, obviously I'd, I'd love to secure his permanent signing as I know, I know we, we all tend to think we've at least attempted to do in the past before getting his loan extended. So, yeah. Um, I do love him and I want him to stay around forever. Yeah, that, to me, there's only two ways that happens though, right? There, there, there's the clause in his loan in which we've already agreed a, a price and he's and he's on his way to us. And the second one is um, is the the, phys, uh, the psychological factors rather than the, the monetary ones in which uh, that brought, you know, Whitaker and Mumba back in the fact that he just absolutely loves it here. He loves the hoe. He loves the Barbican. He never wants to leave. Um, but yeah, how how many millions are we talking now? Because it seems like every time he has a an unreal performance, it's adding like half a million onto his, his price tag. Like yeah, I think <clears throat> I think that um John said that Gibson's performance against Sunderland was the best he'd seen by an Argyle centre back, um, possibly ever. I think Azaz's performance yesterday was probably the best performance by any player this season. Um, yeah, I saw, I, saw, I saw your tweet, which I'm sure you're going to get onto. No, which tweet was that? The one about the one about Frio. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, I'll, I'll, I'll discuss that. I said I think he's probably, if he can continue his form, because he's been not quite as much as Cundall, but he has been putting in a shift defensively. He's learned his his role, um, both you know, the connections that were made between the front five have, have started to be seen in the sort of the wing play between the fullback, the 10 and the, the, the wide forward as well on the left and the right, I think. Um, so I think we're developing the understanding in the system very well. And I think Azaz has started to really put in a defensive effort and a, an incredible and effective defensive effort at times, whilst also holding his position and his role. Um, and I, you know, I think if he can do that for the rest of the season, as I tweeted, um, I think he's got a claim to be the best all-round midfielder 
we've had since Frio. And I know Frio was playing a lot of his football at a lower level, but he was head and shoulders above most of the league. Um, you know, I think someone sort of said that Azaz was... Frio strikes me as more of a Tresemme man than a head and shoulders, but anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, but, um, you know, Frio was head and shoulders above a lot of the league when he was playing and, and arguably would have fit in at championship level quite easily. Um, and I know that's speculation, but, you know, Freer was a box-to-box midfielder and the game isn't played that way really anymore. Um, but Azaz has, I think, the best claim to to have just the all-round ability. You know, I'm not saying you could put him in the house and roll and he'd excel, but he can do it. It seems to be able to do everything um, to, a, to, to at least a credible degree. And, um, yeah, I think if he can, even if he has you know, a slight drop off or, or, or gets tired at times, if he can sort of keep the average level he has over the start of the season into the second half, he, um, he, he, he's got a claim to be one of the best midfielders we've had for a long time. Um, you know, he's, I know we've, we, we all love players like, um, Bazaki, you know, all the, the, the magic Magyars, um, that, that played how mostly, you know, as a, as a winger and, um, we've had players like Graham Carey and, Ruben Lemiras and you know Danny May is a, a fan favourite, but I think the fact that he's doing it at this level um, and sort of putting up stats which are comparable to talents in this league who have either been touted or who have cost incredible amounts of money um, is to his credit and shouldn't be ignored. And as for whether we can get him, I think it whether he wants to come or not. Aston Villa are certainly not in the financial position that Swansea and Norwich are in terms of. We'll take a million because a million's useful. Aston Villa are, you know, potentially pressing for the the top four and even title in the Premier League. So, if they think they can get sort of four or five million from, or even more potentially, if he carries on um, from another Championship tights, Championship side, or even maybe a, a side that's flirting with relegation in the Premier League or looking for promotion in the in the Championship, then you know they would be silly to to sort of be held to hostage because he likes playing down here. Um, so I think the clause in the contract is going to be the the one thing that will work in our favour. If there's a clause there, then, you know, we're probably rubbing our hands. Uh, and if there's not, we've probably got our heads in our hands. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that we're going to have the same leverage as we did with Swansea and Norwich. Yeah, I agree. And also... As you basically mentioned, he is he's the the talent pool in the championship is is huge, and he is up there with some of the best of them. So I could easily see him going to a like a Sunderland for, for five times what we could we could pay. Um, annoyingly, I think um, Graham, I think you've covered Tommy Eves's goal pretty well. So I'm not gonna. Uh, I, I don't think we need to go over that again. There's there's something uh, far more important in the fact that. Um, Obviously, Morgan Whitaker pops up in the in the ninety sixth minute, sends your your heart rate uh, through the roof yet again. Uh, Adam Randall esque, um, again, not really a question. Just what a beautiful man. Yeah, I, I, I think he came back. He's come back into form. He slipped a few down, a few notches in recent games. I think, but he was on it all game yesterday. And the good thing, I mean, the the um, as as sec- the second goal, he took him on the outside on the right and crossed with his right, which is beautifully placed, not in the corridor of uncertainty, but behind that. And and as as just stroked it in. But his finish for the the winning goal, um, it actually went through the keeper's legs. So, you know, in in the moment, it, the keeper could have made another amazing save. It wasn't that far off. He it just. It was that close. He, he he did poke it through his legs, but a composed finish in the moment and uh, another time for ecstasy at home park. We're getting used to, I think. But blimey, what a season! But just just on the Azaz point at QPR, he was head and shoulders the best player on the pitch before Dan uh, got sent off and he, he was sacrificed because Kundal would have more energy possibly, but. He was absolutely controlled in that game and he carried on. I thought he was superb. The comparisons with Frio, um, 
David was a great header of the ball, and I don't think that's Finn's greatest quality. But um, he's certainly up there with the best ever Argyle midfielders, without question. And Morgan Whitaker is going to be up there with one of our best ever, I suppose you call a wide man because we play 4 3 3. Certainly at home, I'd like to see him do it more away, to be honest. But um, he's he's electric, and uh, and and the, the the pass that Ayala handballed hasn't really got a mention. But you watched that; it was beautifully clipped. And as Az was gone, he was he effectively he was clear, and that, it was less an effortless strike of beauty. And, and it's a shame in a way that, that you handballed it because if we'd scored from that, everyone would have been eulogising what a fantastic contribution he'd made. So, you know, we, we are in a golden era of excitement and appreciation. And the fact that it's at the championship level is credit to Shoe and his team because it's a magnificent achievement with a bottom of the table budget. Let's not, let's not forget that. That result sees us up to 16th, which is. Which is huge. Obviously, we've got Birmingham up next. I'm sure we'll get on to that. Is there is there anything else you guys wanted to cover on on Rotherham before we move can, on? Can I just make a point on Finn? And uh, he he's out of contract end of June. January makes him available for transfer and other approaches. Yep. So, as 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 Ben said, the deal that we did with him. I mean, there was rumours that strong rumours that he failed a medical when we first tried to sign him and this was an arrangement whereby that we could sign him on loan for the rest of the season so i don't know where that places everything whether there is a an issue with him but um i'll be glad when we get to the first of february and he's still with us um i'm absolutely praying that that's the case I, i'm praying that jimmy dixon uh, dickinson's have put in a clause that we get him for a million and even if it's a sell-on fee of 70% to Aston Villa, <laughs> I don't care, we'll make our money back. Um, quick maths. Yeah, we would. Um, phenomenal. Is there nothing else on Rotherham before we go on to Twitter I think, questions? I think it's worth saying as much as I said, you know, we'll take the points over the performance. There was a worry that with Scar being out, that side of the pitch looked a little bit disjointed. Um and emotionally reacting to the game because it was quite an emotional watch as a, as a fan, as a spectator. And you don't always evaluate things rationally in the moment. Um, oh, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that, I think that um, at the time, I, I thought Houghton was not in the right place a lot of the time. But sort of thinking back on the game, running it through, because I haven't seen any of the highlights. Um but running it back, there was a lot of out of position play, or, or seemingly, you know, even the first goal, it seemed that you know there was a bit of miscommunication on the other side as well. Um, and and, and Pleguizelo was sort of in the middle of that. So you've got Pleggy, and then you've got Cundall, and you've got Edwards, and then Houghton in the middle, and that kind of three, four. Even when the, the substitutions were changed, or subs were made rather, there seemed to be just something not quite clicking. Whether that was down to Rotherham or not, I don't know. I'd probably have to, but like I say, I'd, I'd lost my analytical head um, at the game. I was sort of too emotionally invested, so I wasn't really paying attention to patterns of play. I was just sort of more reacting. Um, but it would be interesting to see, you know, quite what was going on there. Whether it's communication, whether it was. You know, just being unfamiliar, as you mentioned earlier about the changes, whether it was sort of a familiarity problem or, but hopefully that um, does improve because, you know, um, Gibson was beaten in the air quite a lot. Um, and other than Scar, I think we tend to, I mean, Plegwazelo has pretty good aerial sort of statistics and he gets up, not a problem, but, you know, we were dominated in the air and that's going to be the first sort of note on the, the team preview against opposition when they're when they're when they're looking at us for the next couple of games, even even more if Pluggy stays in, if he sort of earns a place, it's going to be look if we need to hit the ball. I mean, they're out ball every time. The reason we couldn't, well, the reason they look dangerous is because we either gave the ball away in the middle and they broke quickly, or that it was that diagonal or straight ball to the corner every time. And like Graham said, what you know, I had someone someone beside me saying, "Oh, why has he done that?" And it's just like. 
how can you not recognise that we need someone to sort of compete for that ball dropping into the corner that's getting them out every time? And, you know, my ideal setup, going back to the changes, my ideal setup would be KKH on, on the right. I think he looks most effective inverting on the right and Galloway on the left because he adds additional presence. Um, do, you want, do, you want a couple, do you want to couple this answer with, with a Twitter question that's, that's yeah, sure. about our... Oh, God, where is it? I'm really bad at this, aren't I? Um, basically, something about agreeing on what our, our strongest eleven is, so you can you can finish your defence and then do your do your midfield. Well, yeah, I'd have, I'd have Galloway on the left because um, sort of like as that, he could, he's got everything to his game that you need from a player in that position. He inverts very well, he reads the game well, and the problem is he's not gonna he's not a fitness yet where having damaged both types of soft tissue, you know, he's not gonna be sort of flat out for this particular festive period at, at least. Possibly he'll be able to sort of put back-to-back games, back-to-back starts together in the second half of the season. We'll see. Um, but that that at least gives you, because Kane Kessler-Hayden is also is sort of played as a, a pseudo third centre-back at times when, when Mumba sort of dropped in beside him at times. So um, that gives us, I think, more strength, rigidity, aerially, um, which I think is important, but also works to the game plan. I think those players execute what Schumacher's trying to do um, to the best as well. So, yeah, so if we see that, then I think that we'll stiffen up defensively. As for my 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 best 11? I found the question anyway. It's, it's from David Stevens. Um, mm. After the, the most recent three games, I'm wondering if the green and white panel can reach a consensus on who's Argos best mm. in brackets, fully fit 11 are, and whether that selection will play against Birmingham. Well, I mean, the, when the brackets are fully fit, I've got a feeling that two of our strikers will not be facing Birmingham. But um, yeah. yeah, but anyway, yeah. Um, and I'd still play Wayne versus Birmingham. I thought, as I agree, totally agree with Graham. That was his Wayne's best championship game for us. Um, he certainly linked play. I mean, Whitaker said in his post match, he, he sort of said to him, "Look, don't try and do what you normally do. Try and sort of just bring up the rest of us into play." Um, and I thought he did that really well. Um, you know, and I've been critical. I've, I've talked about his stats. I've talked about what he, how he seems to the eye. Um, but he, he has shown improvement for sure. The last sort of two times I've seen him play. Oh, no, that's not fair. Last time, I think there was a bit of regression. But I, I think, he, you know, Leeds, he came on and made something of a difference. I think he did, you know, quite admirably, considering he wasn't expecting to play this game, was he? You know, he would have, you know, he'd been sat on the bench, presuming that Bundu's coming on after 70 minutes and, He's just there to, so I think psychologically to, to come in and do what he did was was good. And I think he's better than, you know, I hear suggestions. We should be playing as as, or we should, you know, put to try Whitaker again as a, a false nine. But you're sacrificing your, pretend, probably, I don't think anyone would argue against your two best players to put, put them in a role they're not going to really succeed in. Why would you want your best players where they're most effective, even if you sort of have to, to you know, if some, some might say sort of just put someone on the pitch who's just filling a place, which I think is disrespectful. I think Wayne did enough yesterday to show he can do something and he's willing to adapt and learn and he's got the strength psychologically, mentally to to keep going despite some disappointed performances and critiques. Um, so my strongest 11 would be um, probably Scar. Scar yeah. and goal. Scar and Gibson. Um, with, like I say, with KKH on the right and Galloway on the left. Obviously, Cooper in goal. It, hopefully, he's back from his dead leg because I thought Hazard didn't have the confidence aerially that we needed at times. You know, I've I've stood up for him and I've you know sort of got into a lot of Twitter debates and you know, I think he's a very creditable you know creditable is not the right word. I think he's a very good keeper and doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Um, but he's not Mike Cooper, certainly not aerially, and that with with our lack of height and our frailty aerially, Mike Cooper had so much more. To the team, I don't know. Why I always call him Mike Cooper. Like I feel like I need to use both names. I can't just call him Cooper. I don't know why that is. Um, but yeah, I think I'd love to see Cooper back in. Um, though you know Hazard is is fine as a deputy. Um, so yeah, Cooper that back four. I would probably say Houghton in the middle, although he's looking tired. Um, so if we're going by performances this season, I would put Houghton in, but I think he might need a bit of a rest and would try Adam Randall there. Whether Birmingham's the game to do that, I, I would suggest not, because if we can get three points against Birmingham, um, that could be massive for the season. And Houghton is is the you know done such a good job there and is is the man everyone is familiar with playing that really pivotal role. 
um, pivotal in you know both sense of the word that I'd keep him in. Um, and then Azaz Kundal, Hardy, when he's fit, um, Bundu's an ad- adequate replacement, but I don't think he really suits the role as well as as coming in off the wide. So I'd say Hardy, Whitaker on the right, Mumba on the left. I like Miller as an option on the left. I think Schumacher plays Miller and Mumba together because they dovetail and, and, and swap positions nicely. And Miller then gives the slightly different option. Um, you know, with the crosses, it keeps uh, the defenders on their toes and helps to keep that side of the pitch stretched because they don't know sort of who's coming forward with the, you know, with the one twos, etc. But I don't think Miller's good enough defensively. I think he's been at fault for, you know, he, he, I wouldn't say he was at fault for the the assist um, for the second goal yesterday, but he certainly isn't aware of how far behind him the man has drifted. You could argue that at Preston, he was at fault and partly culpable at Southampton. This isn't to, to dig the guy out. I just don't think he's, you know, naturally a defender. He's brilliant going forward and I would like to see him played more um, as an alternative to Mumba. But I understand why they're both played together on that side to to provide different options, but he's um, probably not my starting left forward. Um, but, you know, I think he gets an honourable mention and, you know, first seat on the bench. So, yeah, that would, that would be my 11. Yeah, I'd say what it was. I'm not going to try and remember it now. You heard it. And I'll let the others to pick me up on where I, where, what, what changes I should make. No, I think, I think, I think that's, um, that's fairly agreeable. I don't know if anybody's got any huge... Uh, counters to, to that. I, I would say we shouldn't be looking at a best 11, we should be looking at a best 16 because Saturday last season the 16 was the reason why we were so effective with our substitutions were particularly effective. I think we've got a home team and an away team and I think Miller will start as a home team with Barley Mumba but I wouldn't play him away, I'd play Brendan Galloway, otherwise same with Scar, Dan Scar. If they've got somebody like uh, QPR had Dyke up top, we need a Scar type player <clears throat> to challenge that. If if they've got fast nippy forwards up front, Plaguey's probably better. So I think that's part of the reason why the changes are made. Same with right back KKH all day long for me. I think Joe just finds some of the pace challenging for him but um and he, he did struggle a little bit yesterday but again you can interchange you can interchange with um Houghton and Randall for the central pivot Azaz and Kundal pick themselves as do Whitaker, Hardy when fit and Mumba so you know I'd take it as a 16 um and just play a home team and an away team and our home team yesterday were pretty effective until I would have brought Galloway on earlier when the Eves had come on because I think Eves gave Gibbo a right <clears throat> going over. I mean, he was he, he won every ball and he physically he did him and he outran him, which was quite a surprise. And just as an aside, <clears throat> he's always scored against Argo. He got a hat trick for Gillingham. I think he scored against us when he played at Hull. Um, I saw a Rotherham fan in the pub after the game. I said, Why doesn't he start? He said, Because he's useless. I said, all right. He said he hadn't scored in 22 games since start, <clears throat> and that was his first goal for them. But I sort of felt, God, if we had somebody like that, I know it's age and all the rest of it, but how different as an option we would have. I'd, I'd say it's a 16 rather than an 11 and a home and an away side. Yeah, I mean, I was just playing the game of pick your favourite 11. I understand the tactical nuance of horses for courses, but... Yeah, Graham's right. You need options. And if you have a big lump up top to be reductionist, it also gets the best out of other players. You're then getting the best out of players like Miller. Um, Wayne even could could play as a second strike. He could change the formation slightly. So options are always... I, I saw the same um, mooted point about uh, Matete. You know, it's like, does he start? No, but does he give us an option? Yes. And, you know, there's someone who would add something maybe slightly different to me, but having options and the ability to do different things, to be able to react, especially for a manager like Schumacher, I think has proven he's got the nous to read a game and react in game um, is a benefit. You know, it's an asset to have options. So, yeah, that, you know, with the whole rotation, going back to the earlier point, even about, you know, the changes to defence and things, sometimes, you know, it's not, yes, consistency is good. 
and familiarity is good for you know players to get build relationships but there's also something to be said for interchangeability and adaptability yeah nice how, how many of you are evergreen members so i've got a question about evergreen but i feel like i want to ask john about it because he's got a lovely photo to share everyone but okay we'll we'll, we'll save that one for the for, for the next one sorry ryan i know you asked it a week ago but we'll, we'll save it for the next one i promise you we'll get around to it because i do really want to talk about it last but not least then i feel like <laughs> i feel like we have to give it some credence mainly because i've already got a pod title lined up for it um and ben will know what i'm on about uh tim whitehurst i'll give this one to you adam tim whitehurst i don't know if you've seen it um has been on a helicopter tracking site you've seen that a helicopter often used by the Coates family who own uh stoke city and, and bet 365 that landed just north of plymouth um and landed just south of stoke yesterday shuey to stoke how much how much credence are you giving that Oh yeah, I'm devastated. Really, I think this is going to be the fifth time he's left now. Um, yeah. yeah, which is 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 really awful news. Um, obviously, you know the 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 way things are going. Um, he's got a job on his hands at Sunderland at the moment to get them into the playoffs. Um, yeah. If he can balance that out with um, his responsibilities at Stoke, getting that to mid table, or whilst um, steering Argyle clear of the drop, then do you know what? I won't have too much to worry about. But yeah, it's it's, it's quite the ask at this point, isn't it? He's doing an incredible job at West Brom as well, don't forget. So, Of course, uh, of course, it, yeah, sorry. No, that, is a, that is a perfect answer. Um, none of you are worried then? Uh, 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 ben, I mean, you, you've been the most vocal about this, I think, on uh, on on Twitter, formerly known as X, or whichever way around that is, that's definitely the wrong way around. <laughs> um, you know, you've, you've, you've picked a few arguments on there, I've seen uh, a few battles, but you, you just don't see it, right? I don't purely because away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Because of the options he's been offered, if he's been offered, if we're to believe um, sort of what he's been offered, this is probably the least attractive, other than its relative proximity to not relative, its relative nearness that's not a word how close it is to where he's uh his home is that's what i'm trying to say um it's you know other than that and the probably the massive wage that's going to be going in his pocket there's little to attract him to the to the job i'd have thought in terms of a project he i'm sure he'll back himself in a job but he knows as well um that he's learning his his, tr- his craft and he's learning it very quickly he's admitted um, that he's made a lot of mistakes this season. He's learning on a, on a steep learning curve. And I think he knows that he's probably got more to do before he gets, I think, what is his dream job, which is Everton. And I think he's well on, you know, at the start of a trajectory to get to that job. And I think if he was to go two years into his managerial career, where he knows he's got things to learn um, and, and things to develop to a club, which is almost a basket case at this point, um, and has, yes, financial resources, but has, has used them in a relatively scattergun, and it's difficult to see any kind of, of philosophy behind their, some of their some of their signings and some of the approach to to a lot of their their squad building. I know they've brought in several very experienced and very successful managers who have not been able to right the ship, which sort of speaks to potential deeper problems than just not being able to get a tune out of a bunch of good players. Um, Schumacher would be smart to not take the job. You know, if you take, there's obviously potential that he does take it if it's offered to him. You know, but even in terms of the money argument of him being able to sort of go and triple, quadruple his wages, he'll make much more money over a successful career that lasts 20, 30, 40 odd years than he will if he goes and quadruples his wages at Stoke. It's a dumpster fire. He gets the sack and is then not half as attractive and uh, to two other teams, he'll probably have to drop down to league one or lower championship at the best to pick up another gig. Then he's got to rebuild and he's lost sort of 12, 24, 36 months of his, of his journey. So um, I'm just not quite sure. I mean, if, if you had gone to Sunderland, I'd have totally understood, you know, it's, it, there seems to be a, a direction and a, and a purpose to, to the sort of behind the scenes stuff there. And you could understand why that would appeal to him but I don't understand why Stoke would appeal to him other than on the basis of it's quite near home and, you know, they'd, they'd pay him more. But like I say, looking at the bigger picture, he's better off for his, 
his his long-term aims i'd imagine and he would see it the same way to sort of stay somewhere he's got all the time in the world the the ability to fail um and and still be trusted etc cetera, etc cetera, to, to keep learning his craft before he takes that next step i don't think stoke is the natural next fit for him and i'd be disappointed in him in terms of i see him as a very clever and insightful man if he were to take that job because i as much as he might be backing himself to be the one to to write that shit to return to that metaphor you know plenty of good managers have failed and i think that would be a massive risk for him to take i don't see him as that big a gambler i see him as a methodical thinker um and so yeah it just doesn't seem doesn't seem like a, a likely a likely one to me for you know again obviously that's just my reasoning yeah, nice. I think we'll call that a. I normally say a night, but it's the middle of the day. I think we'll call that a day. Yeah, on this one. Yeah. Anyway. Um, nice. Cheers, guys. Um, I have to do the outros now on this new software. I've forgotten it. Join us on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Just find us there. Um, or if, and if you listen to it on Spotify, find us on YouTube. I'm very ill prepared today. Um, yeah. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.